0: Hi, I'm Walter Lane, and you've tuned in to a sermon podcast from the Netherwood Park Church of Christ in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Thanks for listening. Let's try that again. Good morning. good morning. That was much better. Thank you. It is good to be here with you this morning. I want to start out by doing something that we haven't done in a little while. I want to give you an update on our Bible reading challenge for 2019. So so far, to date, uh, we have read 433 books of the Bible. Um, According to the records that we have, 46 of you are reading your Bibles and reporting your results. I know more of you are reading than that, so I'd encourage those of you who are reading along to record your results um, on our website so that we can continue to update uh, what we're reading in the Bible as a congregation collectively, so 433. I also want to remind you that the reason why we do these challenges is because we are a congregation. We're a church that believes in the power of God's Word. We believe it's very important for all of God's children, for all Christians to regularly read their Bibles. We are a church that believes in the power of God's Word. Also, I want you to know that we are a church that believes in the power of prayer. So if you're here this morning and you have a prayer request that you need lifted up to God, we would encourage you to let us know about that request. If you just reach in front of you and pull out one of these green cards, fill out your request on that card and then drop it in one of our collection boxes, you can leave here knowing that we will honor your prayer request. We'll lift it up to God. You can find two collection boxes at the very back of the auditorium can find a third one through these double doors up here at the front. So please let us know how we could pray for you. We believe in the power of prayer. We're also a church that believes in the power of baptism. We believe that it's in baptism that we join with Jesus Christ in his death and his burial and in his resurrection. We believe that out of the water we come out as new creatures, washed clean, filled with the Holy Spirit, ready to walk With Jesus Christ as his disciples. So if you are here. And you believe that Jesus is the Christ. And you haven't been baptized. We really should have a conversation about that. To have that conversation. I would encourage you to take one of those same green cards. Turn it over onto the back. Fill out your contact information. Check the box about baptism. Drop it in one of those collection boxes. And either I or one of the elders will contact you right away. And we'll start that conversation. We believe in the power of baptism. I also want you to know that we believe in the power of the church. The power of the church global, but also the power of the church local. We believe that we are stronger together than we can ever be apart. That's why we believe that it's important for every Christian to identify with, to be part of a church family, a part of a church home. So if you've been attending Netherwood for a while and you haven't yet let us know that you would like to be identified with this church, part of this church family, we should really have a conversation about that as well. So on that same green card, again, filling out your contact information, checking the box about church membership. Drop it in the box and either I or one of the elders will contact you right away and we'll start that conversation about being a part of this church family. There's power in The church. Well, this morning we're going to continue with our On a Mission series of sermons. And in this series of sermons, we're examining what role we, as disciples of Jesus Christ, as adopted children of God, what role we have in God's mission to the world. And I've been reminding us every week what my goals are with this sermon. I want to do that again. My goals are twofold. First, I want to help us expand our vision of God's mission. I want to help us recognize that God's mission encompasses what his servants are doing in those far reaches of the world and also what his servants are doing in our corners of the world. I want us to recognize that God's mission encompasses the entire world. And secondly, I want to help convince each one of us, that each one of us has a vital role in God's mission, a vital role. I want each of you to be convinced that what you do and what you say in every corner of your world matters in God's mission. I want us to embrace the fact that we are all God's missionaries in our corners of the world. What we do, what you do matters. And how we do what we do matters. And today we're going to see that we can further God's mission by walking fearlessly in our corners of the world. Walking fearlessly. So let's talk some about fear. First I want to talk about two different kinds of fear that we find in the Bible. I'm going to call these two different kinds of fear positive fear and negative fear. Positive fear and negative fears. Let's start with positive fear. So positive fear is the kind of fear that we should have of our God. That's positive fear. See, when the Bible talks about the importance of fearing God, it's talking about the need to honor God. The need to respect God. The need to hold God in awe. Basically, fearing God is recognizing that he is God. He's the God of the universe, and we certainly are not. So when Moses says to the people in Deuteronomy chapter 10, when he says, what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul. That's the kind of positive fear that Moses is talking about. So, positive fear, honor, respect, and awe when we encounter our God. So, the second kind of fear in the Bible is the kind of fear that we're most familiar with and we hear the most about. That's what I'm going to call negative fear it's terror, it's fright, maybe associated with even cowardice or timidity. So again, Moses, as he speaks to the people, as he's about to hand the leadership reins over to Joshua, he says this about negative fear. Deuteronomy 31. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of the nations inhabiting the land I promised you. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid Or terrified because of the nations. That's the negative fear. Terror, fright, cowardice, timidity. When we encounter the world. So the two fears in the Bible that we're going to talk about. Positive fear. Positive fear when we encounter our God. And negative fear when we encounter the world. And as we're going to see, the Bible presents these two fears as being in tension ...with each other, in conflict with each other, in opposition to each other. The two fears work against each other. Fortunately for us as children of God, our fear of God works against our fear of the world. Our positive fear of God works against our negative fear of the world. But tragically... Our fear of the world, our negative fear, works against our positive fear of God. Let me say that again. Fortunately, our fear of God works against our fear of the world. But tragically, our fear of the world works against our fear of God. We live in a fearful world, don't we? In fact, many people would argue that the defining characteristic of this time in human history is fear. There's even a term for it. We're said to be living in a culture of fear. Unfortunately, it's not a culture of fear of God, but a culture that is marked by its profound fear of the world. And one of the things that has happened is that our culture has discovered that fear sells and fear motivates and that fear can be used to get what you want. So when we look around us, we see that people have taken natural and legitimate fears and they've blown up, they've amplified those fears to get what they want. So do you want to sell more newspapers? Well, make it seem like there's a shooting on every corner and a kidnapping at every park, and that happens every single day, and those newspapers will sell. Do you want to sell more disinfectant? Well, make it appear that there's a deadly disease hidden in every sneeze and on every handshake, and you'll sell more disinfectant. Do you want to get more votes? Well, make it sound as if your opponent hates his mama and everybody's mama is coming after everything you hold dear, and you'll get more votes. And the examples go on and on. We live in a culture of fear. And fear sells and fear motivates. But that culture of fear is in tension with, it's in opposition to, it works against our positive fear of God. When we embrace that culture of fear, it prevents us from fully embracing our God and our fear of God. See, as Christians, there's not room in our embrace for both fears, which makes me wonder why are so many of us, why are so many Christians embracing that culture of negative fear? Why are we so timid when it comes to encountering our world? Why are we so frightened of the world? I'm sure now many of you, maybe most of you, maybe even all of you are answering my question this way. Why are we so frightened of the world? Well, Walter, we're frightened of the world because the world is a frightening place. And it is. There are no shortages of things to be frightened of in our world. But hasn't that always been the case? That the details and the specifics may have changed, but ever since Adam and Eve left the garden, there have been no shortages of things in the world to fear. And God's solution to that fear has never been to remove those frightening things from His people. And God's solution has never been to remove His people from those frightening things. Now, that's not the way that God says that we're going to deal with fear. God's solution to fear of the world has always been more fear, but more positive fear. God's solution is more honor, more respect, more awe, more trust, more faith in him. His solution has always been be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave nor forsake you. God's solution has always been more positive fear. So what does all this talk of fear have to do with mission? Well, here's what it has to do with mission You see, when it comes to God's mission, the two fears, the positive fear and the negative fear, they also exist in tension. When it comes to mission, the two fears exist in opposition. They exist in contrast with each other. You see, positive fear, fear of God fuels mission. It drives mission. It moves God's mission when we fear God, when we honor God, when we respect God, when we hold God in awe, we also trust God and we have faith in God and we're obedient to God. And it's that trust and faith and obedience that fuels God's mission. Positive fear of God fuels his mission. But on the other hand, Negative fear, fear of the world, obstructs mission. It holds mission back. Positive fear fuels mission, and negative fear holds it back. It obstructs it. So here's how that works. Let's start with the problems with negative fear. Here's how negative fear obstructs God's mission. Number one is negative fear paralyzes. Negative fear paralyzes. You probably remember what happened when the nation of Israel was first on the very edge, the very verge of entering the promised land of Canaan. And Moses sent a band of 12 spies, one from each tribe. He sent them into the land to explore and to report back about what was awaiting the nation and awaiting the army as they entered into Canaan. And after 40 days of exploration, here's the report that those spies brought back. Listen to the report. Numbers chapter 13, verse 27. They report, we went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified, And they're very large. So here's the setup. What's God's mission? Well, his mission is to bring his chosen nation into this abundant land that he has promised them. And what's the good news? Well, the good news is is that that land is every bit as abundant as God promised. So what's the problem The problem is that land also happens to be populated with formidable enemies. Large people, large cities. And so the question is, will God's people be faithful to his mission? Will they go into the land that he has promised them? Well, listen to what happens. Listen for the fear. Listen for the positive fear and listen for the negative fear. Verse 30. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Uh, but the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. Chapter 14. That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud, and the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this desert, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Would it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader, go back to Egypt. Egypt go back to slavery. Talking about a culture of negative fear taking hold. Verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there and Joshua and Caleb who were among those who had explored the land tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Do not be afraid of them. Not because they aren't real. Not because they aren't frightening. Don't be afraid of them because the Lord is with us. That's positive fear working in opposition to negative fear. But you know the story, right? Which fear won? Negative fear won. The people were paralyzed. They wouldn't move forward. And what happened to God's mission? Well, God's mission was obstructed because of the people's fear. Now, notice God's mission didn't end, but it was obstructed. It was only accomplished 40 years later by the children of this culture of fear once they learn to fear God instead of fear the world. So negative fear is an enemy of mission because it paralyzes. Well, what else do we learn from this fearful episode in the history of God's people? Well, we also learn that a second way that negative fear obstructs God's mission is that fear unites people, but it unites them divisively. Fear unites people, right? We understand that. That's true. Fear unites people. When we have a common fear of a common enemy, it unites us. It unites us in that commonality. But negative fear unites God's people in divisive ways. Negative fear creates categories of us against them. It goes like this, if you aren't afraid of the same things that I'm afraid of, then I turn on you, and you turn on me. There were ten spies who turned on Joshua and Caleb. It was us against them. The gathered people turned against Aaron and Moses. It was us against them. Negative fear obstructs mission because it unites but it unites divisively. And that division leads to problem number three. You see, negative fear obstructs mission because it diverts attention away from the true enemy. And it diverts attention away from the true mission. See, the true enemy of the Israelites it's the people living in the land and their false gods and their evil ways. That was the true enemy. But because of their negative fear, Moses and Aaron and Caleb and Joshua became the enemy. Because they weren't afraid of the true enemy, they became the enemy. And as a result, all attention was diverted from God's mission. His mission was obstructed by fear. The fourth way that fear obstructs mission And that's by causing us to focus on the momentary. By causing us to only see what's right in front of our faces, the here and now. See, when confronted with the reality of moving into an occupied land, the Israelites forgot what God had done for them in the past. They forgot the plagues. They forgot the Passover. They forgot the Red Sea. They forgot the manna and the quail. They forgot the presence and the glory of God. They forgot all that God had done for them to bring them to this point. Because all they could see was the obstacle of the occupying people. And their fear not only made them forget the past, it also made them lose sight of the future. They lost sight of the fact that the same God who brought them out of Egypt with powerful works is the same God who promised them that he would give them this land. They forgot the promises. Their fear caused them to focus on the momentary. and By focusing on that, they lost their focus on God's mission. God's mission was obstructed something else that we learn from this episode is that God isn't too fond of having his mission obstructed by his people. Listen to how God responds to the fear and rebellion of the people. Back to Numbers chapter 14. Now I'll start reading in verse 10. The whole assembly talked about stoning Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb. It's us against them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the miraculous signs I have performed among them? I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them. But I will make you, Moses, a nation greater and stronger than them. God's prepared to deal with their negative fear by destroying them all. But Moses intercedes. And I want you to listen carefully to Moses' arguments against God doing that. Against God destroying the fearful and rebellious people. Listen to Moses' argument. Verse 13, Moses said to the Lord, If you destroy them, then the Egyptians will hear about it. By your power you brought these people up from among them, and they will tell the inhabitants of this land about it. They have already heard that you, O Lord, are with these people, and that you, O Lord, have been seen face to face, that your cloud stays over them, and that you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now listen to this, if you put these people to death all at one time, the nations who have heard this report about you will say, the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land, he promised them on oath, so he slaughtered them in the desert. The nations who have heard this report about you will say, the Lord was not able do you hear Moses' argument? His argument isn't about whether these fearful and rebellious people deserve to die. No, his argument is about what their death will mean for God's reputation. See, if God's anger leads to their death outside of the promised land, then other people, the nations, will conclude that God isn't able. And they'll conclude that God doesn't keep his promises. And that points to the fifth way that our fear obstructs God's mission. See, our negative fear, our fear of the world masks the true nature of our God. Our timidity in the face of the world leads people to believe that our God isn't able to keep his promises to his people. Just like the Israelites on the edge of the promised land, our negative, our paralyzing, divisive, diverting fear shows that we don't have confidence in our God. Our negative, paralyzing, divisive, and diverting fear, it obstructs God's mission. Because people look at us and wonder, if God's children have no faith in their father, then why should we? If God's children don't believe their father, when he says be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you, he will never leave you nor forsake you. If they don't believe him, when he promises that, then why should we? You see, that's the problem with negative fear. That's the way that negative fear obstructs God's mission for the world. And because I know I am among people who don't want to obstruct God's mission. I want to end by suggesting some ways that we can be people who live in fear of God instead of in fear of the world. I want to give us some fuel for God's mission. I want to give us some antidotes to negative fear. So listen, here's antidote number one. It's simple and it's probably obvious. We counteract negative fear with more positive fear. Imagine with me how different this story, this story on the edge of the promised land, how different would this story have been if all the spies had shared Joshua and Caleb's fear of God instead of fear of the people. How different the story would be. How different would our story be? So let's be people who spread a good report among the people about our God and about this land that he has promised us and about his mighty acts and how he's brought us to this point and what he's promised us in the future. Let's be people who spread a good report among the people about our God. Let's counteract negative fear with our positive fear. Antidote number two. Let's cultivate the presence of God in our lives and in the life of our community and let that be an antidote to negative fear. You see, our God is with us. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ reigns. The Holy Spirit lives in us. We've been given a church that nurtures and strengthens us. Our God is present and active. He's with us. So let's be strong and courageous. Let's not be afraid or terrified. Why? Well, because the Lord our God goes with us and he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Let's counteract negative fear with God's presence. And third, the third antidote. Let's not lose sight of the fact that the God who goes with us has also promised to take us with him. Let's not let the challenges of today blind us to what's been promised, the promised glory of our tomorrow. Let's live in the reality of God's promises because we serve a God who is able And finally, let's counteract negative fear with love. 1 John 4, 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. So let this be our takeaway this morning. Let us remember that when we walk in positive fear of God, we point the entire world to the one whose perfect love drives out negative fear. Let's walk in fear. Let's walk in love. And let's fuel God's mission together. Let's pray. And, Father, let us not forget what you have done. And, Father, we marvel at what you did to bring Israel out of captivity. Uh, But even more, Father, we marvel at what you did to bring us out of our captivity. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for loving us enough to send him as our perfect sacrifice and redeemer. And, Father, help us not forget... What you have promised for those who are faithful to you. Father, we look forward to the day that we will spend eternity with you. And Father, we say, Come quickly. And thank you for being faithful to your promises. Thank you for being able. And Father, we live in a world that causes us to oftentimes fear, but Father, help us to counteract that negative fear with an overwhelming fear of you, of awe, of love of respect and obedience. Father, help us to be marked by our love for you and our confidence in you, not by our fear of the world. And Father, we pray this through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ, amen. I want to end by giving you missional challenge number 10, and this is a positively fearful challenge. I challenge you each day this week to begin your day with words that will remind you of God's glory, remind you of God's power, remind you of God's majesty. It'll help you remember to fear your God. I'm going to bring up some scriptures on the screen. If you want to write these down, you need to write quickly. Uh, But do know this, that I'll be sending out these each day of the coming week on news and notes so you'll be able to get those as well. So what I'm asking you to do is, on Monday, read from 1 Chronicles, Tuesday from Psalm 19, on Wednesday from 1 Chronicles again, Thursday from Psalm 29, Friday from Isaiah 40, and Saturday from Psalm 93. Begin your day that way and ask God to increase your fear of Him and decrease your fear of the world. Won't you take the challenge? Let's fear our God. Let's walk in His ways and let's point to Him in our fearful world. Let's stand and let's sing. Say, Lord, like a shepherd,